You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Listening to Flipping Tables, episode 72. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards. And uh, I don't know, I didn't get a chance to actually ask you about this in the pre-show, but I am going through massive like conference fatigue. So there was there was uh Google I.O., then there was WWDC, then there was E3, and that actually overlapped with a conference you and I were attending. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just I'm so tired of announcements like i just want to go to work i mean are you feeling this at all oh yeah we have do you have stuff coming up i have stuff coming up too no no i I don't have much coming up just job switching i'm I'm jealous i I would rather go through a job transition than attend more conferences i have at least two more that i i already have planned i'm actually facing because i'm going to have about a week in between jobs where i will have literally no 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 work email of any form and it's going to be kind of amazing yeah when's the last time you were able to say i don't have a work email address (laughs) oh man at least 10 years yeah so that's going to be there'll be zero temptation to like rip out your iPhone and do some emails while you're on the beach or in the mountains or whatever you're doing, because it will literally be impossible. <laughs> That's exciting. If I ever change jobs again, which chances are given my age and the state of the economy, I probably <laughs> will. I swear to God, I will eventually have to do the in between jobs vacation. Cause I've never done it. I've always gone like, Finish one job on Friday, start the next one on Monday. I think that's usually the way to do it, though. Yeah, you know, I've, I feel like this is, and we don't have to go into a crazy conversation about like privilege, but I feel like most of the people who've told me, like, oh man, you got to take time in between jobs are at a place in their life where that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like most of the, I'm only in, I'm only 30. So most of the time that I've changed jobs, like missing a paycheck would have been like a thing. <laughs> like, a bad thing. And it seems like some people like they accrue vacation, but they never feel like they're allowed to spend it. And I would hate to be in that situation too of like, my job is so busy and important. And if I ever leave it for any second, uh, my whole <laughs> life falls apart and I'm just buried underneath the mountain. And yeah, I, I don't want to ever be in that spot. Even though I don't mind being busy or having lots of interesting things going on, I never want to feel unable to take a step away. Yeah, because then eventually you just die of a heart attack, and <laughs> then who will do all that important work? <laughs> so I do need to. This is, I guess, this is a little bit of follow up. Um, I so we moved. We, you know, what happens when you move? You spend a lot of time in IKEA, and I realized that I've been talking about these IKEA wireless charging pads and the charging furniture, and I never heard anything about it. Like it got announced and everybody was like, oh my God, wireless charging is like so mainstream now. And then, and then that was the end of it. So since I've been on Ikea's website, like almost more than in my work email for the last couple of days, I was like, I'm going to look and specifically see if I can get some of this stuff. And turns out not only do they have like a half a dozen different lamps that have like wireless charging in the base which makes sense because like the lamp's got to be plugged in anyway, right? 
they also make these like little coaster pads that's it's it's like the size of a, a large coaster and they have like a white one and a wooden looking one that all it does is charge but it also has a USB pass through which to me like as soon as I saw that I was like I know exactly how I'm going to use this so <laughs> For your gonna, Apple friends. <laughs> well, yeah, right? So, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, I'm going to be able to sit my phone on the charging pad, and then I'm going to have the lightning cable for my iPad come off the charging pad. So now I'll have, like, the mobile corner of my desk where, like, my mobile devices sit and gather juice, and then I'll have, like, my little workstation. And I know I feel like such a design nerd saying this, but, like, that's, like, I'm really happy that that's an option because – this thing is going to be getting far more power from the wall than it could possibly transmit wirelessly. So why not let me do something with it? Yeah. We'll have to see if, uh, since I'm probably going to have an, at least one Apple device at all times, how many decades before Apple embraces some kind of standardized wireless, I guess the watch is their first step, but it's not standardized. It's their own charger. That's true. And you could do something crazy, like buy an extra charger and like, route out you know in like a bamboo uh uh coaster like route out the hole and i mean there's probably if i had to guess there's probably 84 million kickstarters right now <laughs> that are custom watch holding and apparatuses. they're all ugly all of them <laughs> are they so you've already looked into this i've every once in a while i just see a new one covered on one some of the mac blog and it's just like oh that's hideous got it <laughs> Well, and before this, you weren't really like a big watch guy. So maybe what's cool in the watch world is not, you're not ready for it yet. Well, my biggest, I guess, pet peeve is like, there's like these super fancy, like mahogany or oak or like, um, I don't know, just fancy materials. And then I put this sport band, like future watch <laughs> toy on it. And I'm like, this is clashing a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't feel like this should go on like, you know, this came from one piece of wood and it was excavated from, you know, a, a rainforest. And <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be some that are just like stainless steel or aluminium, right? I mean, like that would be the best bet, I think, for a, you know, a techie watch like the Apple Watch is, yeah, just make it look like the Mac Pro, the old Mac Pro casing or something. Yeah. Somebody will, will get around to it if they have it already. Maybe uh, it's the the artisan ones that are getting all the the blog attention, but I feel like aluminum. Someone out there is doing an aluminum one, and so I, one other thing I want to say about this I, IKEA thing that I think is just really in the spirit of IKEA ness is uh, so the actual charging thing. Like if you've never seen one of these charging circuits, they're not real big like they're they're actually quite small it's probably about the size of like a 50 cent piece once it's got a, a tiny little housing and everything around it so the like the base of the lamp or the the big you know coaster looking dealy it's really just so you have somewhere to set your phone like the the actual electronics are, are quite small so what they made available is um i don't really know a good way to describe this other than it looks like a cup and it has all the electronics in it and you can drill a hole in an existing piece of furniture and like slot this cup thing into it. So like if you've ever seen uh, furniture with like a, like a cup holder, like where you put your beer during the game or, yeah. <laughs> or like uh, some stuff has like built in speakers and it like uses the furniture to like resonate. It basically looks like that. And 
I don't really have any furniture that I I'm ready to drill holes in right now, but I have to admit when I saw that thing, I was like, Hmm, I'll bet I, I could find something to pop a hole in. Cause I just like, I just want to start adding wireless charging to like yeah. every surface ever. When a, a great uh, candidate for drilling holes in is other Ikea furniture. Exactly. There's whole like blogs and websites that are all like specifically for Ikea hacking. Like the, you know, this Ikea line will integrate really well with that Ikea line. Cause the colors are similar and they use the same kind of connectors. Like there's just, there's a lot of people putting a lot of thought into this kind of thing. And if you completely, you know, cock up a piece of Ikea furniture, you're like, well, okay. But you don't want to probably be popping holes in like your great grandparents armoire that they willed down to you through the <laughs> generations. But, but great grandma, it can charge my phone now. Well, I will admit we uh, ordered custom feet for our Ikea couch. So we're part Cu- of, we're participators in this economy. Custom feet. Yeah. So yeah, the, the pegs that are under our couch that hold it up. Uh, so these are non Ikea feet. Right, but they fit the IKEA couch and they just look nicer. Okay. I mean, I'm partially baffled by this because <laughs> I never thought of other companies making stuff to interoperate with IKEA furniture, but I unless there's like a patent, I don't see why not. <laughs> so what what are the feet you got look like? Come on. <laughs> Leaving me hanging. It's here. just a darker wood than the the cheap looking crap that comes with the IKEA couch. <laughs> And this is why um, capitalism will always succeed because it came with wooden legs and you're like, yeah, but I want slightly darker wooden <laughs> legs. Basically, so, they're the long leg lamp legs from A Christmas Story. Oh, yes. See, that's if I was going to have a couch in my living room, those are the kinds of legs I would want on it. But I'd want them to be sticking out, not like down holding the couch up. I'd want it to look like the couch fell on the person, like <laughs> Wizard of Oz style. Have, has that gone off the rails enough? Can I tell you about the watch <laughs> yeah, I got today? Okay. Let's do this. <laughs> so you have, what are you coming up on like a month with your, your Apple watch, right? Oh, two months. Two months of yeah. Apple watch. Yeah, well, I feel like I should upgrade to some new watch. To, are you going to install WatchKit 2 or WatchOS 2 or whatever the hell it's called? No, it's in beta, but yeah, the second it's Golden Master, it's coming. So I've been, I follow uh, Marco Armet on, on Twitter, and uh, apparently he's like one of those people who when he asks a question, he like retweets all the good answers he got, which, you know, I mean, he has a big audience. That's kind of useful for us plebeians, but um, <laughs> once you've retweeted the same, like, basic rewording of watch os2 is not ready for prime time yet you don't <laughs> have to keep retweeting people just to make them feel good so apparently watch os2 really really hardcore not ready for prime time as particularly because you said that you were easily getting through a day with like 60 70 percent left right yeah these people were talking about power down zero battery before lunch <laughs> it's like that's not cool man for developers, people. You're at, yes, absolutely right. Um, but I finally got my fancy pants Pebble Time watch that I backed on the Kickstarters. And uh, basically, I'm happy and sorry to say that every single thing I read about it online was exactly accurate. So it looks nice. 
It, I think it actually looks quite a bit nicer in person than it does in, in like press shots for, I don't know what it is. Watches up that close, like look weird. Yeah. Cause like when I first saw the Apple watch, I was like, Oh my God, that looks like a ridiculous toy. And then when I saw it in person, I was like, well, it still doesn't look like a fine piece of jewelry, but it doesn't scream Fisher price. So that was like, that was okay. So then I was like, now I don't know what I'm thinking when I order this watch because maybe i think it looks okay online and i'll hate it in person but i think it actually looks pretty sharp it's just it's like the basic not space gray because apple owns space uh, <laughs> and we know that one kind of gray is space <laughs> exactly uh so but i mean it's a very similar like you know a gunmetal gray with a, a basic black band it, i mean it, it looks like a, a nerd's watch it's very simple um it's got the cool color ink screen but man it's it's kind of dark. Like right now the backlight is not on. I'm, I'm in my living room and I'm struggling to read it. Like it's, it's dark. Do you have it like flick to light up? Is that still turned on? Yeah. Yeah. So I can, you know, screw my wrist to the side and back <laughs> and it lights up. But then it's even with the backlight on, it's still it's a little, little just, dark. Just I mean, not it's, quite as bright as you want it to be. Yeah, it's just like a little it's washed out. I think washed out is the right term for it. And and I don't know, I have to play with the settings a little bit, but the backlight goes off after like 5 seconds. So if you're trying to, you know, if you're in in a queue or something and you're trying to like read the beginning part of an email or something, it's it's it just washes out when the backlight turns off. Now, if you're in bright like crazy bright sunlight, that's where e-ink is like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. You know, so like I was outside when I picked it up in the middle of the day um, from my mailbox and, and I tried it on outside and I was like, oh, this looks great. And then I went inside where it was still bright, but not as bright. Like right now I only have one lamp on. It's behind me. And, and I just it's like it's not it's not good, man. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of I'm actually a little apprehensive about it because if I turn if I leave the backlight on all the time. I still need to be able to get through a whole day. Like how much is that going to cut into my battery life? Yeah. Well, that was my main question is which Android Wear watch did you now order? (laughs) So I'm waiting for the Moto 362 or whatever they're going to call it because all signs point to yes, that that's coming. I think they're going to announce it in the fall. So that's good because that gives me time to really force myself to live with this and not just jump at the next shiny thing. Um, but eh, I don't know. So, <laughs> but, so uh, th- yeah, so that's the screen. I'm, I'm not blown away by the screen. Um, and, and how, I mean, how about if, the OS itself? Well, that, that's what I want to talk about. So if, if leaving the screen on with the full backlight all the time is still usable, uh, from like a battery perspective, then I'll just leave the backlight on and consider that problem solved. Uh, the OS is surprisingly snappy. Like you, do you have a Kindle? No. Okay. You've used a Kindle. Yeah. Okay. You know how they used to do that? Like, like full screen flash, full credit card machine. (laughs) Yeah. It's the giant, like everything's gray, then everything's white. Then there's words on the screen. Like it's like the first time I saw that, I was like, it's waking (laughs) from a dream every time you change the page. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is like the original Kindle, I think did it like every fifth page. And then it's it's like gotten better from there. So now like the newest one, the paper or the Voyager is the newest one, but the, <laughs> the paper white is the newest one I have access to. I think it only does the big like trunk trunk every like 10 or 20 page turns, which on the one hand is better. But then on the other hand, it also makes you like 
flip out when it happens because yeah. like, <laughs> like it hasn't happened for a while and then you're like whoa so you know but this like it's first off it never does that it never does the full screen wipe um it's super zippy like there's there's little adorable animations that are like really fast and they probably only have like a 12 frame rate but it's the it's like a cute simple animation so you don't really care that it's like a relatively low frame rate i'm not trying to play crisis on here will it run half-life 2 will it run doom that's i feel like this is a platform that can still just stop at the bar of doom did you Um, install flappy bird yet i have not installed any games um i have noticed that there's a weather app i apparently can't disable which is annoying because it inserts the sunrise and sunset and then like what the weather is going to be like that day into the timeline and uh like, my I watch care. face already has that if you want it well it's not that about that it's that i don't want to see that as like part of my schedule like the sunrise is not part of my schedule <laughs> is that what like are you doing I- tomorrow well the sun's <laughs> rising and well, then i yeah, go into work <laughs> I, I can tell you uh, that it's gonna rise tomorrow at five thirty-three, and then uh, at six o'clock i gotta make sure the trash is outside and really i could have just jumped straight to six o'clock put the trash <laughs> yeah. outside And since it only shows two things, there's the top thing and the bottom thing on each screen. That means every time it shows sunrise and sunset, like that's eating up a slot. Like it's, it is using a non-trivial amount of the interface, precious space. Um, I've also noticed that, uh, since you and I have been talking and I've been gesturing like an asshole the entire time, (laughs) I have, uh, logged quite a few steps on my little, uh, little up it, i have the up like the jawbone up app syncing to my phone and uh it thinks i am just running do they and just like, need like a demographic like question when you set up your watch of are you italian yes okay 10 percent fewer steps <laughs> i really i'm thinking more like 50 percent fewer but it's it yeah i mean otherwise i really like the timeline thing because notifications about events are like kind of like job to be done number one on a smartwatch. So yeah. I, I said earlier, uh, you know, we were at a conference this last week and I'm almost missed a kind of sort of important meeting because my phone was charging like in my bag with my external battery. So I didn't hear it go off. And then I, I checked the time and I was like, Oh, I, I missed a calendar event. Oh dear God. I'm like 40 minutes late for this meeting. So fortunately that all turned out okay, but I mean, it could have just as easily been like a big deal that I was super late to this thing. Right. So that to me is like even above and beyond telling the time I want a smartwatch to like, Hey man, get over here. Yes, exactly. And then like email notifications and stuff after that are like, that's pretty much the way you've seen it on the pebble before. Um, because I've only had it for like, uh, about 10 hours i haven't really gotten to test like the voice stuff um because this does have a little mic you can so like if i get a hangout i can respond and and it'll do transcription using the the stuff on the phone haven't gotten to play with any of that yet but i've heard it's like yeah it's fine (laughs) yeah most people in the reviews are like yeah it's fine most people actually just spend their time complaining about the screen because they're like it's kind of washed out man yeah it's a bummer (laughs) Well, and we were already talking recently or on Twitter with uh, Matt Duncan and some others, like, is this battery differentiator really going to hold up in the, the court of public opinion? And I vote no. I don't think so. 
Well, I've been saying all along, whether people realize it themselves or not, the, the magic number is a day. Like, no matter how heavily I use my smartwatch, if I can get through a day, chances are I can charge it that night, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to sleep mean, in this thing, so... Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. is I'm, The kind of person who tracks their sleep with a wearable we'll have has... a wearable for that. <laughs> exactly right. Something that's, like, super accurate, super dedicated to that purpose. Um, I just... I don't... Like, even though I could sleep with this on because the battery lasts for, you know, five, six days. I don't, or I should say I didn't with the original pebble. I suspect I won't with this one either because when I'm asleep, I do very little uh, notification checking. Almost virtually no notifications get checked while I'm asleep. Is that, am I unusual? I know I've been an outlier on a few other things. Do you check notifications while asleep? <laughs> nope. Um, yeah. So, so I don't. Do you want to make any prognostication? Like, what does Pebble need to do to survive? Assuming our opinions are going to be widely represented by others. Um, I would say the first thing is to make the screen look like LCD quality, good. beautiful. Yeah, just absolutely gorgeous all the time. Gorgeous. Um, because if they can do that with e-ink and then still hit that like three, four day mark, then the battery will be a differentiator because as much as I, I swing my hands around like a crazy person, I do occasionally like hands on the steering wheel is a good example. The position of the clock in my car was set up by a moron because <laughs> there's an angled piece of plastic over the clock, but it's angled up. So if there's any daylight happening, if it is like any time of day, there's this bright shine across it and you cannot read the freaking clock. And I'm just, I don't drive through Madison County, so I'm not constantly going under covered bridges. So it's nice if I have a watch on, that was a funny joke, by the way, Mike, (laughs) (laughs) if I have a watch on and my hands are on the wheel and I can just look at the watch and see the time that is, it's stupid, but it is like actually kind of a handy feature. With like an Apple watch or an Android wear watch, I would have to like, my hand is already up in front of me. So I'd have to like cartoonishly lift it to force the screen on or reach over and touch the button. And now it's like, well, I I can't check the time without interacting with my watch. Like it just in those rare instances where you're like, I really want to be able to glance at it without having to move my body. I do have to comment on your joke a second ago that, you know, it's a good joke when you have to tell someone how good it is. Those are not just good. Those are the best jokes. Those are, that is why uh, George Carlin's act was 30 minutes of new material and 30 minutes of explanation. <laughs> if you never saw him live, you missed that, but that was, that was a big part yeah, of what the, he did. The after show. So <laughs> any other words about this pebble time other than that? You'll probably switch in the fall. I, yeah, I just, I, this screen thing's got to be figured out. And especially cause like most people I'm indoors all day if this will only be quickly viewable in really bright sunlight, that's a problem. Like that's a deal breaker because then if I have to flick my wrist to turn on the backlight, you know what I could have done? Just turn the whole screen on like with yeah. an Android wear watch or an Apple watch. Like the, the experience at that point is virtually identical. Well, I've also heard from, I think it, this is also something that's especially going to hit watch wears before smartwatches is uh John Gruber, you know, super fanboy, had a, uh, 
he described how he he was a watch wearer before smartwatches, and he would just have his you know his hands on his laptop, and he can just glance with his eye and see what time it is. And he says he, he never looked at the computer clock or you know any other clocks in his room. He would glance at his watch. And now that you know these LCD or OLED based smartwatches require you to do some motion to activate the screen, like that's a huge shift in habit for someone who's used to it doesn't matter where what orientation my watch is in i just glance and there it is yeah no i mean it's i use the steering wheel example but i mean hands on the laptop or if you're carrying something and you want to just look and be like oh i'm gonna be late like you you can't do that if you need a physical gesture or a button tap to light chopping vegetables and receive a call and don't want to stab yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly like that. Um, so that, I mean, it's, it feels so nitpicky, but there aren't like, I don't expect a tremendous amount out of a smartwatch. Like the fitness tracking is a nice benefit. Um, the calendar is absolute bare minimum, uh, notifications for things like email and chat and phone calls are nice because that means I can put my phone down and not have to like be like, oh, did I turn the ringer up really loud so I can hear from across the room? Like, does it have to float around you around the house like a familiar? Exactly. So I, I like the idea of this like little tiny notification machine, but if I have to, you know, do a rain dance to check the time then I might as well also get all of the cool, crazy extra stuff you get with like Android Wear or an Apple Watch that I'm kind of giving up for having a Pebble. Like that, I feel like one of the chief trade-offs I'm like getting stiffed on here. (laughs) Uh, Well, we'll have to see, you know, this is like one day of watch. Yeah, I mean, I I picked it up from the my P.O. box at like noon. So I've had it for like 10 (laughs) hours at this point. And no shortage of opinions. We'll see if this evolves at all over the next week or month. Yeah, I'll be really curious about the the how well the microphone works. Um, I just I didn't have a chance today. I was doing errands and family stuff and you know, my job. And so like, I just didn't have time to sit here and talk to my arm. But Uh, I really, one of the things about smartwatches that had me really excited from day one was this idea that I could be like jogging or, you know, doing something or driving in the car or whatever, something where my hands are like mostly occupied, or I maybe don't even have my phone readily available and I could just, you know, do like an, okay, Google now, take a note, blah, 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 blah. And it will do a good enough transcription that I can remember what I was thinking of later. So like... I just, I've never been a person who can like carry a, a pen and a pad of paper everywhere I go. I almost always have my phone. If I have a nice smartwatch, I'll pretty much always have my smartwatch. So that like being able to quickly capture thoughts, like getting things done style is a big differentiator for me. So if the, the promise with this pebble is that it can do stuff like that, whereas the original didn't even have a microphone. So right. if it works well using like the Android voice APIs, that'll be cool. Um, if it doesn't, then it's going to be kind of like the color e-ink. It's like, yeah, it's there, but... Eh. And even if uh, you had a super glowing review of this device, the, the biggest concern I have is just that they don't own the OS platforms that they're living on, and that's just always going to be a threat. And Google's been a pretty good guy, Greg, most of the time in terms of like, well, third-party, you know, whatever. You can do what you want. We have open APIs, but... Um, you never know if they'll, they'll reserve some secret sauce for Android Wear, that, or at least like a timed exclusive type thing. 
Um, yeah. And God knows Apple's not going to make it equal ground for <laughs> Pebble. Well, and this is the thing. So um, when Android Wear was announced, one of the things that Google did, and I, I don't know the exact details, but I know that there are some hardware specifications that are not up for debate. So if you want to change the the physical shape, if you want to change the band, you have total like carte blanche over those things. But there's certain hardware internals you're not allowed to screw with if you want to use Android Wear because this is not a fully open platform. They're not giving it away. They reserve the right to do whatever they want because they wanted uh, manufacturers to have to differentiate on style, not just on like, oh, we put TouchWiz on ours and made it <laughs> crappy and terrible. And so uh, I like that. I like that they're they're exercising like some control. What I don't know is if the screen has to be a certain kind of screen because Pebble could continue to run with this crazy e-ink thing as a way of saving battery, but give up on their OS and just be like, you know what? It's an Android Wear watch, but it's got an e-ink screen. Yeah. And, it, and because of that, you get four days of battery life and all the power of Android Wear, and it'll work like gangbusters with your Android phone, and on and on and on, and sort of shift their engineering resources towards making physical devices that look you know, a certain way, because a certain kind of person likes this sort of nerdy, techie style, and, and, and really maximizing the hardware side of it and giving up on the software side of it. I've, but I, I don't know if they have any interest in that. That would be a death knell for me because what's number one, what's to stop anyone from doing an e-ink screen. And also I don't think of pebbles physical hardware as being a design leader. Like it looks okay, but I mean, I think the pebble time I'm going to say this and then get a ton of hate tweets. I would say in general design, the pebble time looks as good as the Apple watch. And what I mean by that is you have a basic, rectangle and a watch band like it's got a few buttons i know the apple only has the the digital crown no there's the communication button well there's yeah there's the the one button and then the crown so it's a two physical you know inputs um whereas this has four because it has three on one side and one on the other and and i know they're not the same thing i know it's made out of plastic and not well this one is there is a metal one but i didn't get it because i that's my 50 dollars. but that's uh it in general i mean like it's a rectangle like it's a little rectangle um this is why i kind of liked a lot of the android wear watches a lot more is because they look more like watches and to me if you're going to deviate from the tradition here um, I say go like crazy, like an Apple watch looks like a rectangular watch. If you're going to deviate from watches that much, like just go like make a pip boy, you know, like <laughs> this is why the Microsoft band, like, I mean, everybody hates it, but it's like they tried something different, you know, like it looks nothing like a watch. It doesn't look like most wearables. It's got like a weird sort of long, thin rectangle screen. It's kind of dumb. The interface is sort of crappy, but <laughs> but they tried something and and that will inform like wearables in the future. And maybe they'll learn something they can bring back to traditional watches. Whereas just making a rectangular watch or a mostly square watch is like, eh, we had that already. Like Casios were already mostly square watches. Yeah. Well, that's my question about circle smartwatches because 
I, w- I want to see a, a reason other than style, which I'm admitting is an important job to be done of a fashionable item like a watch. Um, but aside from that, w- does a circle afford you anything good UI-wise? Uh, not in my limited time playing with circle smartwatches. Um, I could imagine... Okay, let's get all sci-fi here. So uh, with like a rectangular interface, you have corners on the, the physical object. Whereas with a round one, you could, if you had no buttons, you could presumably have a fully circular. So imagine if there was some kind of touch, like all the way around. So then you could do like weird little multi-touch gestures. Like, okay, if you pinch at like 12 and six, that does something different than if you pinch at like three and nine, or you can pinch it three and nine and then rotate. And then that'll give you some kind of interaction. Like I'm, you could do that on a square though. Yeah, no, you totally could. But I think. Anything that involves sliding or rotating would be easier on a circle, right? Because it's just it's a smooth, continuous yeah. curve. And I mean that I'm, I'm thinking of that, and like in my mind, it seems kind of cool, but it's also like wildly unintuitive and difficult to explain to someone. Well, I just think some of my favorite watch faces on the Apple Watch are just basically the ones where I can add a ton of glanceable information onto one screen. Like I've got battery, weather, activity, calendar, time, and one other thing. And uh, I just, if I cut a circle out of this, I have to get rid of like half of these just to make it work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a fact of physics. You know, with a rectangle shape, you have more surface area, particularly for the way we tend to read language. So like if you... Put, Someone needs to invent a, a spiral language. No, I'm just kidding. Terrible. <laughs> but that, you know what I mean? Like reading something that's arced, like that where the letters are actually curved, like it's harder. It that's yeah. And by definition, it's no longer glanceable because you have to think about like, what the hell am I reading? Yeah. Anytime I see like those, like a button design that has a, you know, text all the way around the circle, it's usually not a problem because it's not important. It's just some stupid branding message, but, um, <laughs> Anytime anyone puts important information that way, the same like when I see on a website, if they turn like a menu text sideways, I'm like, who turns their head while they're reading a website? You're an idiot. Don't do that. <laughs> it's every single uh, interface that they have is written for Stewie Griffin when he's all like <laughs> head cocked over. All right. Should we, we kill the smartwatch topic? Yeah. I just, you know what is bugging me? My last thing though, is I, while we've been talking, I set it to leave the backlight on all the time and the backlight's still timing out. Yeah. So did I, how did I screw that up? Like it was, it's a single setting. <laughs> Come on, Pebble. You're killing me. Oh, and no, I do have one last point um, <laughs> to something. This is, this is not just me complaining. This is a serious thing. Uh, you said what's to stop anybody else from coming along and making an Android Wear watch that has an e-ink screen. Well, Pebble now has like a supply chain and they have people that are used to filling, you know, and designing these products. Like they have something of a head start. It may not be an enormous head start. It's certainly not an insurmountable head start. Amazon would have that supply chain or Samsung. No, I mean, absolutely. But I'm just saying like, I feel like this happens a lot in tech when people are like, well, what's to stop any old person? And with software, I would say that's usually pretty true. Like someone can just sit down at like a library computer and make the next big thing that turns them into a billionaire. But hardware is different. Hardware is difficult. So 
for them to already have like engineers used to designing watches that fit on like the majority, you know, the 80% of wrists and that most people find comfortable and what like the different limitations of these different materials are and, and blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. Like that is something that's re- like you and I could not just sit down and be like, Oh, I Android wear e-ink watches are now a thing because we have thought of it. Like there's a long way to go between there and finished product. I would just hope that this expertise isn't wasted on a, a bad bet on technology. Um, you know, like being a great flash developer right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that you said right now like are those days not like over like over over <laughs> and i mean it, i had an example in my head let me see if i can remember what it was <laughs> oh yeah i was reminded of the story of like when they made the first iphone there was like in the prototype stage there was the debate of like do we turn the ipod os into like a big boy you know try to grow up the text-based you know, left to right menus of the iPod, or do we shrink OS 10 down? And uh, they made a decision to go OS 10 down and like you know stretch the limits of mobile hardware at the time. And I think it's easy to say that was the right bet: go for the pocket computer, not the grown up iPod. And it's a stretch of an analogy, but you know, could going e ink and trying to specialize in that be kind of like an iPod bet instead of a smartphone bet? Well, I have heard this anecdote before, and there's a couple of parts that I think are interesting about that. One, how close in actual like core goings on is iOS to OS 10? Because I mean, I'm not a developer, I'm not an engineer, so I don't know. But the My user facing is side it, is pretty damn different. I feel that's the difference, and so the the underlying technology is very shared and very common. The the libraries and the kernel and the a lot of the drivers and stuff. I mean, okay, obviously. So, so then where they won the day was on the interface. Yeah. Because there's another company you may have heard of that took their desktop OS and shrunk it down to a phone. And yeah, that it was, was horrible. Stupid. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the the underlying technology in OS 10 was included in iOS, and then the whole UI layer was swept aside for a new paradigm. Okay, so I mean, basically, we've gotten down to like Linux on the back end for all the things, and then the correct yeah. UI on top of it. Yeah, pretty much. You're welcome, Linus. <laughs> now that we've talked about Torvald. Linux, yeah, you know he's so smart. But every time I see his writing, I'm like, oh right, you're also a huge jerk. <laughs> he's just he's really smart, and he's really kind of a jerk. So you just brought up UI. We should talk about this Adobe thing. We should. I'm well. In you, like this affects you now more than ever. Now that you're starting that new job, yeah. So uh, Adobe announced. Uh, this recently came out with their 2015 releases of all their Creative Cloud stuff, and they've included a new preference in Photoshop to you know basically say I want to opt into betas of your new UIs, and uh, they created this thing called Design Space, and uh, it looks geared towards UI designers, whether it's app or web based. And uh, you flip this thing on, and then you have all these templates you can start with, like an iPhone or an Android device or a smartwatch. Um, and then it's just 
Photoshopy tools. But uh, I don't think it's the actual app that's interesting here. It's uh, the fact that they've built this UI with HTML5 and they've actually open sourced the whole thing with a GitHub project. So anyone can fork it and make their own, you know, photographic editing UI out of everything Adobe's done. And which is kind of a, a new face of Adobe for me. They seem to be doing a lot of cool open source stuff like for the good of the industry. Um, but it kind of begged the begged the questions in the right metaphor because that's like when you your premise defeats itself or something in philosophy. Um, what yeah, is the phrase? Beg beg the questions. One of those things that I know everyone uses wrong, but I can never remember the right way because people use it wrong so much. <laughs> yeah, um, it made me think about um, just <laughs> web based UIs and like you know web apps are a thing now and like especially for you know simple apps, simple lists or documents or you know the basics of an office suite are pretty well handily done in web apps now. Um, but you know, kind of the pro app tier, we haven't really gotten to. There, there are some web-based video editors, but no serious filmmaker would use one for a real film project. <laughs> um, you know, you can cut some things and edit some things in YouTube. Even they have some UI for that. But you know, at what point, you know, is this this the first stage of like, you know, Adobe separated their engine from their UI? Because they built it with a web with web standards, um, how long are we from a Photoshop that's yeah, it's a web based UI, and then it's just hooking into a cloud, you know, more computing power than you will ever have. Um, you know, it seems like this is coming, and I'm just wondering if this is like a sign of how soon that could be. Yeah, I mean, it's, so when you enabled it in in Creative Cloud, it sounded like most of what's in there right now is just. Oh, we rearranged the interface to be more useful for the specific thing well, you're more, working on. More, accurate, you do- more accurately, they everything disappears, and then there's like <laughs> only ten buttons left. But <laughs> well, okay, but I mean, it, but there were presets, right? Like, oh, you're developing for Android, or you're developing a website, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's like, I feel like that's kind of the the lowest hanging fruit of like these easy shareable layouts. So it's like you're on Windows and I'm on a Mac but you have this awesome button layout for like super fast website prototyping. So I don't know why you're on windows. So you, <laughs> you share this, you know, out and because it's HTML five, it'll just work everywhere. And then I feel like kind of the more like the longer game is, is what you're talking about. Like, could they have um, like we have responsive design for interface, but could you take that a step further and have responsive like abilities? So, I'm say I'm out in the world and I have uh, Photoshop installed on like an iPad and I'm on the the 4G and it kind of sucks. Could it actually turn off certain abilities and be like, no, we're not even going to give you that option because the network latency is awful. But then when I'm on like my home Wi-Fi and it's really fast, like all of a sudden those things light up and they're they're usable. Yeah, I man, it seems reasonable. Um, I just uh, like my big question with it is like every time. I don't know. We've we've gotten to this point of like, well, of course, web apps are going to supplant native apps. It kind of hasn't happened yet. I mean, na- web apps are doing great. Like, there's plenty of them. I use some of them all the time, especially Google stuff. Um, but there's still like a nice value to native client apps in certain situations because it's just the snappiest it can possibly be. 
and uh, pro apps is definitely one such category. But you know, I wouldn't be so naive as to say, well, this, if things are a certain way, that's the way things always are. <laughs> but the, the way life is now is the only way it could have ever been. It seems like the whole client server, like where where does the logic live? I mean, it's been moving to the cloud a lot, but you know, is that going to be an eternal dance of computing? Like. Some new Intel innovation will mean like, hey, of course that's embedded in the device and it runs there versus, nope, just kidding, server's caught up. What are you doing with that local running app? Well, so it, this seems to me like like a lot of things in computing where we seem to flip-flop every four or five years or 10 years or whatever is we are constantly falling back to native apps as being the one true way to do certain things like gaming and pro tools and, and, and that kind of thing. But I think if you, if you sort of stretch that timeline out, think about what's the, the popular web-based photo editor, Pixlr, Pixlr, is it Pixlr? No E. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Pixlr, um, (laughs) like if, if you took that and you compared that to like Photoshop, I don't know, maybe five or six. There's probably a fair amount of feature parity there. Like you can do layers, you can import stuff, you can have multiple windows open with different projects at the same time. And this is a hundred percent web native. There's nothing you have to download and install. It all lives in the cloud. So, and it's pretty zippy. Like it's not, it's not bad. Yeah. I've used it for like some simple, you know, lightweight stuff and the, the interface is pretty good. I mean, realistically most people would probably just want to copy photoshop verbatim but they can't so it's you know clone but it's it's pretty good and the thing is when photoshop 7 was like the new hotness the network was not there like you could not put photoshop 7 on the internet when photoshop 7 was new but now that we're several versions away you can make those kinds of tools 100 percent web native in the cloud none of it lives on your device and so I feel like there's kind of this cyclical like dance happening. Hey, dance again. There's sort of this, <laughs> this like circular thing happening where it's like, yeah, web stuff is behind, but it's, and it's not catching up so much as, as long as it continues to sort of follow at least in lockstep, if not maybe catch up a little bit, then you're going to see a lot of stuff that was native going cloud for like that, the majority of the audience. You know, like now the average person does not have to buy Photoshop. They can just use Pixlr in their browser. Yeah. Which maybe is why Adobe switching to subscription is prescient because eventually they'll flip a switch and be like, just kidding, you don't have to download anything. Photoshop is in the cloud and you still want our features. But um, it seems like they, they would be wise to be exploring that side of the innovation curve. Um, and they've got to be gun shy from from flash like because they they've been embracing a lot more open stuff a lot more web friendly stuff they're doing a lot more communicating about what it is they're working on and i I really feel like it was the way steve jobs shut them and their noise (laughs) completely down that they were just like we can never be in a position to allow that again well it wasn't just jobs being jobs but it was also the fact that they couldn't show up with mobile flash in, in with any credibility like well it, but that but if he had been like a buddy or a partner and just not like thrown them under the bus don't get me wrong they were begging to be thrown under the bus <laughs> but like 
if it was a company they had like this really positive relationship with, he might have just silently swept under the rug that Flash was terrible. But instead, it, there was that big open letter right on Apple's website, and he was like, "You suck, and we're done with you." Like, <laughs> I feel like it was that, super public. That time was a lot of what you call strange bedfellows because like Flash was an open spec, but it was not an open platform. It was maintained by Adobe. And uh, it was like, oh, this closed company is helping us kill this other closed thing for a better open <laughs> web. And I'm like, if, if you really care or passionate about you know open standards, and I mean, there's definitely part of me that is, um, that was like a moment of like, yay, Apple, wait, I hate, wow, they, they do all this closed <laughs> shit, but yay, they have the, the market power to like influence this. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely that lesser of two evils. It's the same way you feel when you buy something on Amazon. And it's like, yeah, I could go get it from the corner store. But on Amazon, it's 50 cents cheaper and I don't have to put on pants. (laughs) So it's just like, yeah, I'm only saving 50 cents, but I really hate putting on pants. I don't know. I think it, I think it was good for Adobe. Like you're right. It was weird the way it happened and kind of the way where like the source of the whole thing being Apple saying like, no open is better, but it it was good. I think ultimately it was good. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I really believe in this, this flip flop, like the web pushes native stuff to be better because as soon as the web is as good as native, no one will ever use native again. Like, so <laughs> because na- the know, second you have to face an installer, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like the, you know, native stuff has to keep getting easier and faster and cooler and better graphics and richer experiences and 3d and virtual and, and all that other crap. That's really, really hard to do on the web right now. But as soon as you can do that stuff on the web, native is going to have to show up with something newer and cooler. Yeah. Um, And that's assuming that we stick with the kind of basic, like, hi, I'm a server, hi, I'm a client architecture we have now. I can imagine a world in which I have a brick somewhere in my house, you know, say maybe the size of an iPad if it was like four inches tall. So like a little machine that has the super brain, right? But then I have like screens and keyboards and interfaces all over my house that talk to the super brain. So like when I'm home, any device I pick up has the full power of the super brain because it's like a very super low latency local yeah. network. But then when I'm out, my smartphone or my tablet or whatever is only as powerful as whatever guts it has in it. But just extrapolate to the latency being small enough that your super brain can be literally anywhere. Then oh no I'm 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 waiting I'm yeah yeah yes well then it's like <laughs> native becomes a moot point because it's native to where the app is running and it's just your your view of it that's low latency enough to not bother you yeah I mean this this is the dream of of the thin client right yeah um the only thing that I think will prevent that from ever being not ever but being happening soon is. Uh, as long as local hardware continues to improve, which I don't see any reason it would suddenly stop, but as long as local hardware continues to improve, won't there be that little part of you that's just like, I don't want the screen to go dark if the weather is bad and I can't get yeah. network, right? Like you want to use all your options. So if I can have this super small, like sub millisecond latency and 
and like wicked fast computing power out in the cloud that lets me run the most powerful games on devices that are paper thin. Like, yes, please make that happen. But also I want to at least be able to watch like a locally stored movie. If the network goes down on that paper thin device, like don't, don't render it useless. And if storage has a breakthrough where terabytes become mobile possible, I think that'll buoy local stuff for a a longer period of time. Oh, absolutely. And and if they keep pushing stuff uh, with what they're doing with like the steam boxes and like kind of that, the local super brain, I mean, I don't see any good reason to not sort of mesh these. So when I have good network connection, the give snare. me access to, yeah, give me access to all of Google's computing power when I have good network. And if I don't, then default to my local substantially weaker, but still very powerful super brain. And then if I'm out and about and I don't have access to either of those things, then just do as much as you can on the local device. So then there's this, there's kind of a long wind. It's like, it's, you know, we have responsive design. This is like responsive, yeah. pro- it's like responsive processing. Like, Use the most powerful processing you have available, but don't ever just say, "Oh, I got nothing." Yeah, I think I think you've just named it. What someone is probably working on responsive processing. Yeah, so I uh, I need to God send me to the patent office or something quick. <laughs> Trademark that shit. <laughs> um, so we mentioned like the pain of like the reason you'll switch to a web app that's equivalent is because no install. Um, that's the other big topic I, I th- want to take a few minutes to kind of just talk about was uh, reformatting your computer and just kind of like how often do you do it and what like you know what are the things you must install immediately and uh, I don't mind going first because I, I just reformed my <laughs> reformatted my iMac today. Um, that's pretty recent. Yeah, and it actually only took me. I, I was prepared to use my laptop for this podcasting, but I was actually up and running with Logic and everything installed within two hours, um, which is no joke because Logic <laughs> is like a six gig download, including installing some of the additional sounds and, and crap. Um, but you know, the the very first thing these days, and you know, the past couple of years, this has been true: is gotta get my password manager going. I need that thing before I can do anything else. And uh, it, literally before you can do anything else. Um, but I mean, the other thing, so I, I have a, a ton of Macs. I'm a Mac guy. But, um, you know, one of the things I always loved on Windows was Ninite. You ever use Ninite? Uh, I think Ninite got really popular around the time I stopped using Windows. But I knew people who swore by it. I mean, like had, you know, the T-shirt kind of thing. So, I mean, that's the other like painful thing when you set up a new system is, well, I want Spotify and I want Chrome and I want maybe I want the other browsers too, just in case I want to check something. And, you know, I have my favorite text editor and maybe Audacity. And just like before you know, you got to go to 15 websites and you're just like, oh, where's their download button? And it's always in a different place. And some of them want me to try to ask me for my email address. And I'm just like, shut up. And, uh, Ninite is amazing because you just check boxes and hit download. And so there's actually a Mac version called Get Mac Apps. And so that's the second place I go to um, once I get my password manager set up. Well, that's actually part of the pain of is like these are all intertwined because I'm like, I sync through Dropbox. So I want Dropbox syncing as soon as possible. But then I need my password manager. But then I want to get everything downloaded. It's kind of this crazy mess. So I've, I've spit out a ton of words. What do you, you know, you recently reformatted. Was there a similar kind of race of insanity? Yeah, I just, I did the dance like a week and a half, two weeks ago. And, oh, there's another dance thing. Man, it's like it's total Bader dance off up in here. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I kind of went through the same thing. I actually um, 
benefited in a small way because I was also setting up a new phone and I realized that I had a two factor auth loop that could potentially be closed. So like in the rare and unlikely circumstance that my tablet, my computer and my phone all died at the same time, I would actually be in a position where I had no way to prove that I am who I say I am. So I straightened that out. And I, I now, you know, I, I have loose ends that I and only I can tug on, but none of them are dependent on each other. So my password manager and, you know, Dropbox and kind of that whole like two factor all thing. Um, and that's like, I, if I hadn't reformatted, I never would have come across that. So that was like step zero. I was like, okay, I got the OS reinstalled and then I get my password manager set up and oh, no, wait, I have to get Dropbox set up. Oh, no, wait, Dropbox wants two-factor auth stuff, <laughs> which is on my phone, which I don't have access to because my password manager is not set up. And like, it was just this tumble down. Um, MC Escher painting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm happy to say that I was able to resolve it without having to like exploit any bad security. Like this wasn't, it didn't turn out. I had one crappy password somewhere. It didn't turn out. There's like a flaw in the password manager. I use like everything was legit, but it was, it was because I had access to another device that was still usable. Not because I had like backup codes, which is the way you're supposed to handle that problem. Yeah. So I I fixed that, but that was like, that was a little bit of a wake up call. Like, whoa, I have to solve this issue. Well, and guess where Um, most of my backup codes are in my password manager. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I might have to one day just actually print them and put them in like a safe deposit box at the bank. Oh, that's strange. It it sounds really dumb, but that would mean like nuclear option. If you know, I drop my backpack like into a river, and all of my devices got lost at once. (laughs) Like my entire life is floating away. (laughs) Exactly. So, in that incredibly unlikely but not impossible circumstance, I would still have this like you know the football like the president carries with the the nuclear launch codes where I can like go and get the banker to turn the key at the same time. So I don't know, maybe yeah. one day. Um, but for me, the thing that I find most annoying about this, cause I, I did the same thing as you, it's like password manager, then my favorite apps and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, it's, you don't know what you forgot to install until you go to use it <laughs> and it's not there. Yeah. I'm just going to quick, uh, initialize a Git repo. Oh, yeah. command line tools aren't here. Yeah. It's, and that, that, Oh my God, that has screwed me so many times reformatting max where i'm like oh i just need to fire up this oh that doesn't work so it has the, i just it has this that. dependency and thankfully this time uh well i don't i don't have a complex developer set up because i'm not doing a lot of development so maybe i am relieved of a lot of that pain but uh just when i did some simple git commands it just popped up and said do you need these yes and then within 20 seconds it was installed but i could imagine other stuff where it's like in a whole environments and whole you know Oh, my, my token was in an environmental variable. I don't have that anymore. Like all these other things that you just, you're not going to think about because there's so much of it. And then you're like, all right, I'm ready to, nope, not nope. ready to work. Yeah. Oh, JK, I'm actually ready to spend hours setting up my environment again. <laughs> and I mean, that's why things like uh, virtual machines and Docker and, and, and yeah. uh, Vagrant are so popular because it's like you write that file once and you maintain it in like a hundred different places you know, it's in your Git repo, it's in your Dropbox, it's in, you know, your Microsoft OneDrive, it's wherever it is, <laughs> so that when you need to set up a new machine, you can just be like, 
Hey, set it up like this. Follow these instructions that I wrote for exactly this purpose. And yeah. it goes, okay. And then like you're magically set up again. But I'm I'm in the same boat as you where I don't have this super complicated setup. So I've never gotten there. And uh, I have to give props to Apple. They fixed something they were doing wrong. So <laughs> they didn't exactly revolutionize this thing so much as they just stopped hitting themselves. But uh, pre-Yosemite... I think. I think Yosemite was the first to do this. So pre-Yosemite, if you wanted to install uh, a lot of the command line stuff you needed, the easiest way to do it was to just install all of Xcode, which is like a huge, like, three like gig gigs. download. Yeah, yeah it's, it's something freaking terrible. enormous. <laughs> and you got to go through, like, the little hullabaloo of like, oh, I'm, Hey, I, buddy, you want to make yeah, an app? <laughs> I'm totally a developer. Yeah, and it's a big pain in the ass. And there is actually a way to install just the command line tools through the command line, but... It's like a half a dozen commands and you have to like promise like, no, I seriously exchange and copy and paste. (laughs) Exactly. You have to just be like, no, I really don't want all of Xcode. I just want the command line tools. Well, in Yosemite, there's a single line and it's something as simple as like Xcode dash dash install dash command line. And it's like, it's just like, it doesn't try and push the rest of Xcode on you. It's just like bada bing. Now you suddenly have the command line tools and it's awesome. I, yeah. I, I mean, that's how they should have been doing it all along, but finally, you know, they're doing it right. So that, that was like a big yeah. help for me. Um, but one thing that I forgot was you and I speaking of the web and using web stuff over native apps. Uh, we've been recording for a little while using a WebRTC client so that we can hear each other while we're recording, right? Yeah. And uh, it was giving us the business. So we were like, forget it. Let's just use Skype. So I open up Spotlight and I type S-K-Y and nothing comes up. Then I type P and still nothing's coming up. I'm like, huh, Spotlight usually indexes pretty fast. This may mean it's actually not installed. (laughs) So then I like dove into the finder in my applications folder and sure enough, I had never reinstalled reinstalled Skype because this is the only thing I use it for. I don't do like international calling or anything. But, you know, props to the network being good. I was able to install or download and install Skype in like 20 seconds. Like, boom, installed, done. So this is why I think that 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 like that smearing is a lot more likely than ever going all in on one solution because I needed a native app but I didn't have it but it was out on the internet and I got it like lightning fast. Yeah. You know. So the the angle on this I wanted to get to also that I we skipped over was why do I reformat? Why do I go through that hell? And uh you know, some of it may be a little bit of snake oil, but I, there is that myth of the the clean machine, the the, the fresh start. Um, but I, I do think a, a defensible angle on that. There may be some truth to that. That your thing gets gets gummed up, whatever. Um, you're not good about clearing your caches, or, or things go to hell. Um, but the thing it does to me is it makes sure I'm only using stuff I'm using. And, you know, cause just there's kind of this bloat of like, Oh, I saw a blog talk about that app. Let's install that app. And before you know it, you've got, you know, an extra 200 gigs of crap on your machine. And, uh, I, the, the practice of doing that, it also makes me check my backups. You know, what am I backing up? Is there anything that's just been sitting, um, that needs to be properly backed up? It kind of keeps me in check. And I mean, the, the real answer is I'm a geek and I kind of enjoy it on some level. Yeah, um, especially as it's gotten easier and networks have gotten faster to download stuff. It's 
I mean, reinstalling a Windows machine used to be like an all day thing. It was like, oh, what are you going to do this Saturday? I'm going to the baseball game. Oh, I'm going to reinstall Windows. But I'll now, see you next like, week. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But now, like, uh, I think starting with eight, I don't think seven had this, but eight has like they call it like refresh or power clean. Maybe power cleans the Chrome OS version. But there's basically a button and you press it and it just goes, wait, what apps did I have installed? And it is like you just took it out of the box. It's like totally brand new factory fresh. All the default settings are there. But I think the only thing it saves is your account login. So it's like really smart in what it retains and what it ditches. And I don't, well, I guess OS X has time machine. So you could, you could fake that functionality by having a time machine install. Yeah. But that's it's not the same because then you have to re-download like any security patches and things. So this like this feature, I'm I'm kind of I think Microsoft's really got the right idea with this because they know people do exactly what you said. They just install crap and they run things and they screw stuff up, and then eventually they're just like, oh, I just want to start over. Yeah. And it, it, having a big start over button that not only resets it to factory specs but maintains your login, so you don't have to set all that up again. It maintains any like official patches and updates that it downloaded, so you don't have to do any of that again. Like that's a really smart way to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I want an enterprise tool for imaging my my machine, but it it would be nice to streamline it even more. And uh, yeah, a lot of these apps we talked about help do that. But I kind of like like I don't even want it to keep the apps I already had like. I'm like, yeah, pretend I had nothing because there's all that crap I'm not going to use. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just want like official OS level updates. So like if I mean, if you think back to like Windows XP, Windows XP was on the market for like, what was it like 162 years? Like it was a really (laughs) long time that that was the dominant OS. And there were three entire service packs and each one was like hundreds of megs and a time when networks were not nearly as fast. So like if you reinstalled a, a fresh XP install and you didn't have like an XP service XP service pack two disc like laying around, you had to use like a factory disc. It's like this is it. This computer is <laughs> just going to be downloading stuff for like literally yeah. nine or ten hours. No, I had a pre service pack. I think pre SP one XP disc, <laughs> and you know the the off chance I decided to reformat my gaming PC, it was literally you know an entire day because before I want to install anything else, I want windows to be fresh and clean and new. And that's man, that was not fun. And like, you even have some, like at what point will windows realize it can download the service back? Like, do I have to go through a couple more reboots of step gaps before it's like, Oh yeah, there's a service pack. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it would, it would, the service packs weren't everything. It was like, you had to get to a certain point where it even recognized like, Oh, the next thing is this giant, thing yeah and like i remember there were a couple times where i had friends that were like oh i borked up my computer can you like help me reinstall windows and then they would give me the you know the disc that it shipped with and i was like this is just a windows (laughs) disc and they're like well what do you mean i'm like this doesn't have network drivers on it (laughs) like i'm gonna have to now go to a working computer and get network drivers for your computer so we can finish downloading updates like look up what your motherboard you bought so i can download their set of tools (laughs) i feel like a lot of the the tech shows i listen to are not um hosted by particularly young gentlemen 
It's usually uh, men and women that have been in the industry for a really long time. And at this moment, I really feel like one of them. Yeah. Because I am lamenting having to download network drivers for an XP machine. Did you ever have to patch games directly? (laughs) Directly, not through like a little updater? Well, through an updater, but an updater made specifically for that game that may or may not work properly. Yeah. I just remember like, you know, versions of Quake or um, a lot of the the Ion <laughs> Storm games like uh, Deus Ex, like that game had patches and you just had to know about it. Like, oh, I guess there's a Deus Ex patch. Is this the right one? Well, I'll try it. <laughs> oh, see, the my memory of patching, because you've played a lot more PC games than me. My memory of patching PC games is almost entirely from Diablo. Yeah, because you would sit down and you especially like if you were going to play with somebody, you're like, oh, let's play Diablo. Oh, no, wait, I haven't played in a week. There's like 10 updates. Oh, one of the updates is to the updater. So then the updater has to restart. <laughs> Which Microsoft <laughs> Office loves to do. It's like, just kidding. I need to be updated. <laughs> it's like, how often do you need to update an updater? Can it just kind of do its thing? <laughs> yeah, I, there's got to be some weird like who updates the updater it's it's got to be like a manifest of like sources that i don't know is it it doesn't the updater does not seem like a super complicated problem and i'm not trying to knock the engineers that build these updaters but like across the board like open office updaters microsoft updaters blizzard updaters like the steam updater has to be updated like this everyone has this problem yeah Uh. So um, I guess the question I'd pose to the listener is uh, what what are your uh, reformat rituals and, and what are the, the must-have like first three apps that need to be installed or is it identical to us and we're all the same person? Um, well, I want to know too, does anybody, especially Mac and Linux people, because I don't think this is, it's possible on Windows, but I don't think it's very popular, is does anybody use like a setup script? So I'll I'll link to this in the show notes. Uh, there's this like famous among super nerds and developers. There's this famous OS 10 setup script, and it the guy designed it for entirely for himself. Like it's all of his defaults the way he wants them. So you can tweak it because it's you know it's just all like a big terminal script. But he does so many like nitpicky things like he changes the speed that the backspace button works he changes (laughs) he changes the rate the cursor blinks at i mean these are like really really minute and just hundreds of terminal commands like literally hundreds of terminal commands to to set it up but for him you know when he sets up a new machine he goes to github he copy and pastes this file he runs he executes it once in the terminal and then he probably goes and gets a cup of coffee and when he comes back it's exactly the way yeah. all of his machines are so i mean i should I under- do that cuz i mean it's a it's actually unlike ios it's amazing how granular you can get with with os10 and obviously linux to a complete degree you can change literally anything um but you know, you can go down to milliseconds on window animations, you know, which I hate them in most of OS X. <laughs> so, you know, you open a new window and it zooms in like a, a ship yeah, what, approach. What are they called? The genie? Oh, I hate genie. I turn it to scale immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, also the speed at which these things zoom and you can basically turn it into nothing. And, you know, there's a few that are kind of useful. Like when I quick look something, I actually want to see it zoom up. But, you know, most of them, I'm like, this is just pure style and not function. Get the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So this will, I, I've probably just wasted hours of your time because you're going to, you're going to look at this script and you're going to be like, which one of these things do I want to tweak? What do I want to keep all together? <laughs> what do I want to maybe try? Because the way he's doing it is better than the way I'm doing it. Yeah. And there's even UI based ones for tweaking that you could use to play around. I forget that Tinker Tool, I think, is one of them. Um, it just basically exposes all the terminal commands in a, a checkboxy UI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to this because, like, this one that I'm looking at right now is it also downloads and installs certain apps by running terminal commands against the App Store. So it'll get, like, Dropbox and Alfred and you know what whatever this person was using that was in the app store so for for you a lot of these might be completely worthless and it would just be immediate automatically generated cruft yeah auto cruft that's like a scary idea yeah I'm like this is huge like this is obviously very developer centric because the kind of person who would set this up probably a developer so fortunately for people like me and you we can just find one that's close to our needs and then comment yeah. stuff out but i can but, see some real like maybe this is an abuse of the term ocd but ocd designers that are just like everything has to be just so like, i don't want i don't want drop shadows on my windows i don't want you know whatever <laughs> or i want you know i want a 25 percent opacity on my drop shadows you're really 25 i think 26 <laughs> 26.5 looks just so much better <laughs> i'm i'm kind of i feel blessed just like i don't have perfect pitch so i'm not therefore annoyed by people who aren't singing <laughs> perfectly like i i love art and i love appreciating it all and i think i'm getting better and better at it but i don't have a crippling oversensitivity to any most things yeah, I feel like most people who see the world that way, it's not necessarily that their their taste or their pitch or their design sense or whatever is that perfect. It's like a complete inability to empathize. Like <laughs> someone might have a thing you think is ugly that they think is perfectly beautiful. That doesn't I mean, it's an opinion thing. You can't be right, you know? So it's like whenever I hear someone who's like, oh, I just I just can't tolerate the way that looks. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That doesn't mean it's wrong. And I agree with you. Like there's tons of things that I think are like absolutely abhorrent. But I recognize that that's my opinion, not a true fact of nature. Well, and my main blessing I feel is that it's not I don't feel like I have a lot of things like that that just like make me unable to sleep at night or something (laughs) like yeah, I, would, I can't. I can't live in a world with serif fonts. Like you want to, you want to be aware because you wouldn't be any good if you were completely oblivious to these things. But you don't want to be crippled psychologically by them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just taking design sense to an extreme where you're like imposing it on the entire rest of the world. I think I found the specific one I was looking for, so I'll definitely toss this up into the show notes. And Mike, where can people find those show notes? Yeah, let's let's take us out here. So this has been episode 72 of Flipping Tables, and you can find show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 72. Maybe you're already looking at it because you're listening on the web. Well, you should subscribe to our show because that's awesome and it's awesome. Um, 
you know, all forms of awesome are included in this. Um, so if you got a smartphone, which you probably do, um, if you have an iPhone, you've already got a podcast app, you can uh, search for Flipping Tables or use the iTunes button on our website. Uh, if you got an Android, you could install Pocket Casts or uh, Podcast Addict is another one, um, depending on whether you want to pay or not. Um, and you can also use the RSS button or search for us through, and there's a way to search in those apps, isn't there? Absolutely. So you can find us in the app too if you search for flipping tables. And uh, subscribing gets you one very important thing. It means every time there's a new episode, you immediately get it uh, downloaded to your device. Or I mean, you can tell your app to schedule if you don't want it to waste bandwidth when you're on data. But um, basically, you don't have to think about it. A new episode is ready to go pretty soon after we release it. And then on your morning commute or on your jog, you can listen to our lovely voices. So you should subscribe. Um, me and, uh, David love feedback. So we're on Twitter. I'm at Medwards music and you are I am at lions in beta. So you got questions. You want to set us straight on something. You want to, you want to have us tackle another topic by all means, check us out on Twitter. If you really want to support us directly, you can head to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And, uh, you can pledge dollars to our network. It helps us keep the, keep the machine running, helps us, uh, plan and launch new shows, which, for example, we just recently launched a show called Eclectic Readers, uh, hosted by, uh, it's a uh, Susan, uh, help me out, Jeanette. <laughs> Jeanette and Tara. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, that's a book club podcast. It's really cool. You should go check it out uh, along with our other shows on Sunrise Robot. And uh, depending on the level you support us on Patreon, you can get your name mentioned in episodes of Flipping Tables or in every episode of every show on Sunrise Robot. And uh, with that, we'd like to give our special thanks to our top supporters, Bruce Edwards, Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, and Andreas Langa. We love you guys. We love you guys so much. All right. We'll see you next week. 